0: You're listening to the
1: Community Pulse, a podcast about developer relations, community management, and all things tech advocacy. Let's see what our hosts are chatting about this episode.
2: To the Community Pulse. Developer relations professionals are known for creating a lot of content and the platforms that are available to us seem to grow by the day. For this episode of Community Pulse, we're diving into what platforms exist today, what types of content works best for each channel, and we're joined by two guests, Cassie Williams and Joe Carlson, who are known throughout the tech industry for their humorous tech-centric content. We'll talk about how we know which channels and types of content are most effective in reaching a specific audience and how to measure success. But before we get started, here's PJ with a word from our sponsor. Hey,
3: everybody. <clears throat> the world's best software teams use CircleCI to deliver quality code with confidence. As the largest continuous integration delivery platform, Circle CI empowers engineers to seamlessly take ideas from, to execution at scale. The CircleCI platform is optimized for developer productivity, speed, and confidence. CircleCI understands how engineering teams work and how their code runs. Companies like Intuit, Apple, and Spotify use CircleCI to improve productivity, release better products, and get to market faster. Visit communitypulse.io CircleCI to get started. And now, let me hand it over to Mary to get things started on the podcast.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. As Wesley mentioned, we've got two awesome guests that are joining us, and I'm super excited to introduce them. Uh, first up, we've got Cassidy Williams, who's a principal De- developer experience engineer at Netlify. Cassidy, do you want to say a little bit about yourself?
0: Hello, I make memes and dreams and code sometimes too. That's that's my that's my high level summary. But yeah, I'm 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 over at Netlify, focusing mostly on React and Next.js and making it easy to code with those kinds of things. and Then outside of that, I make silly videos on the Internet and a newsletter and a few other things too.
1: Love it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. We also have Joe Carlson with us today, who's a Senior Developer Advocate at MongoDB. Hi, Joe.
4: Hello. Um, Cassie, that was such a concise intro. I do a million of these and I've never figured out how to do one as tight as that.
0: It Um, takes practice, thank you. I gotta
4: get down (laughs) on that, I don't know how to do it. Um, Okay, so I'm Joe Carlson, I'm a developer advocate, I work for a company called MongoDB. Um, And yeah, I guess I've been, I do the same, my my hobby, when people ask me is I make videos on the internet. Um, I feel embarrassed to tell most people that, but I I think this is a safe place to talk about my-
3: Definitely is. This okay. is always a safe place.
4: Okay, good. Thank you. I hope no one else is listening. Okay, actually, I'll, I hope lots are listening. To this.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I actually I love that that's your hobby. Uh, that's obviously why we have both of you here today. And the first question to kind of get us kind of get us kicked off today is just we're curious to hear how you get started on various platforms. Um, There's a number of different questions that we want to dive into here from how do you prioritize what channels to be a part of? How do you invest time into it? How do you know where to invest time? Um, But let's start with just how do you know where to be?
0: For me, I kind of just play it by ear, honestly, like I didn't start being on social media or or making TikToks or doing things like that because I was like, this will be an excellent avenue for me to connect with my community and gain a lot of followers in the meantime. That, that, was, never, that was never really the, the way I did it. Like I first got a Twitter account because you needed one to apply for a job there. I did not get the job, but I got the account. And so I mostly just started posting on Twitter years and years ago, way too long ago, where I was mostly just sharing tech links and I kind of used it as bookmarking for myself. And then eventually I was like, maybe I could add my own opinions here and, and started talking more about that. And then um, in terms of starting videos and posting videos on Twitter, which is how a lot of people know me now, is I would I like making videos. That's something that I like to do forever since I was young. But I discovered the TikTok video editor, which is really good. It's it's so nice and easy to just make quick videos there. And so I made one once mostly to make fun of 10X developers because I thought it was funny. Um, and I did not expect it to blow up. And then I started making more videos and and thus that is now what I'm known for uh, mostly on, on the Twitter sphere and then on TikTok and stuff. and. Um, a lot of the other things, like for example, my newsletter, that was because someone said, hey, you can tweet about these online courses you're making, but that'll only get you so far. If you can get into their inboxes, that will help you. And that's what led me to start it. And now it's grown to what it is today.
4: I love that. I think that's super common, but also I feel like like the channels kind of, I don't know, like each platform is like different personalities, right? Like Twitter's different mm-hmm. than, Instagram is different than TikTok, then it's different than Clubhouse. like. And I feel like, I mean, it takes time to, like, figure out, like, which ones you like or, like, which ones, like, work really well. Like, if you're more visual, great, cool, like, go for Instagram or whatever. Uh, I feel like doing, like, design work, too. If you like, making, like, snarky jokes, Twitter's probably going to be a great place for you to hang out. Um, yeah, I don't know. Video's been awesome, though. I, like, love it. And you read the TikTok editor? It just, like, fun. Also, like, so I was, like, doing, like, Twitter stuff. And then TikTok just ended up being way nicer than Twitter. Like, just, yeah, it's I very surf. friendly. Yeah. I just like feel less, I don't know. It's just, it's a more inclusive, fun community. It's it, like that one just, it picked me. That's all I'm trying to say. It picked me.
0: <laughs> it's interesting just, to see which things are more popular on the different platforms. Cause, like, my most popular video on TikTok is nowhere near close to oh. what my popular video ones are on Twitter. and other places. <laughs>
4: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like funny to see like what bombs somewhere else and like just crushes somewhere else. I had one like bombed on TikTok a week ago and it's like went viral on LinkedIn. Who... <laughs>
3: awesome. no, can, can, I, can
4: I thing ever that I have a
3: sign can I get like a just a little clip of that? Just just Joe saying went viral on LinkedIn. I
4: know it's the because most
3: people, <laughs> like honestly people forget. LinkedIn is a it's a it's a social media platform. Yeah. You're like yeah it's for jobs and it's professional, yeah. um, but it's a social media platform and that's what it's supposed to be used for. It works yeah. just like Facebook, except you say stuff like blah, 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 blah. I typed some code instead of blah, blah, blah. Look at my food.
4: <laughs> I still do that sometimes yeah. on LinkedIn.
0: Well, and it's also <laughs> interesting. LinkedIn is very popular in certain other countries too, which I didn't realize until you know going to certain events and stuff where people say, oh, please add me on LinkedIn. And then after the event, they're posting all this stuff about how it was when normally I would expect that kind of content on Twitter and everything. And so people use it differently, depending on where you are, depending on the community you're in. And so kind of got to cover a lot of bases sometimes.
1: That's actually a really good segue into something that I'm very curious about is that is the platform that you, or are the platforms that you choose to invest in dependent on the communities that you're a part of? Or are you more likely to say, I'm a video person and the TikTok interface is awesome. I'm gonna do that and people will find me where I am. Mm -hmm. That's That's a a good question.
4: You know, I feel like it's impossible to like be on all platforms and be everything for everyone everywhere. I don't know. Like you kind of like pick what's going to work for you. And for me, it's about like what's sustainable with my time. You know, and if I don't like doing Mm -hmm. something, that's not a sustainable thing there. And like, you're going to find people wherever you are, like on whatever platform you're on, they're going to be, they're going to be attracted to your content. Um, I don't know. And I, I do a lot of TikTok stuff right now too. And I feel like this, it feels like wild west days of YouTube where like people didn't really know what that community was or like how to use it or like what kind of content works there. And we're just kind of like trying weird stuff out right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's hard for me. I, Cassidy, what do you think?
0: Honestly? Yeah. I've kind of just dropped certain networks for myself just because I haven't enjoyed them as much. And it's a different audience. It's a different thing. Like I'm pretty much I'm never on Instagram. I'm never on Facebook. I'll go on LinkedIn to accept connection requests. I make my videos on TikTok, but I don't really like comment and share and do all kinds of stuff on TikTok. It's pretty much just Twitter at this point. And it's mostly kind of like what Joe saying, scaling. Like I, I'm one person and keeping track of all of the messages and all of the comments and all the different things just kind of became too much. And so I stuck to focusing a bit more.
2: Yeah. I love that it's amazing that you have fun doing this uh they said like if you have a job that you love then you never work in your day or your life but there's also the saying that if you love what you're doing and it's your job you'll always work uh yes. so there's a separation between personal enrichment and the business side i'm just curious about what kind of support do you get from your companies uh do you get extra time do you get equipment do you get even like production help? Like what kind of support do you get from the companies that you work for? And let's go to mm-hmm. you, Cassidy.
0: So for my Twitch channel, the, and that one I haven't actually talked about much here, but hey, I have a Twitch channel. Um, on their... Uh, my company supports in terms of time where I, I stream every Thursday during the day and I might be adding another day there. And I do talk about my company sometimes, but I don't always do that. And mm-hmm. it wasn't so much equipment and everything as it was just like, yeah, go for it. And and that's about it. And, and kind of same with TikToks where they pretty much don't care what I'm about to do on TikTok. Sometimes if I'm doing something about like, wanting to quit a job I'll warn them ahead of time saying I'm not quitting I'm just making a joke I I had to do that this past week. I literally did that too this week. Yeah yeah just just in case but besides that it's kind of it's kind of just on my own where they they generally trust me to represent the company in a decent light. Yeah it's been
4: tricky I don't know it because the hard part is like I feel like having okay this is my whole thing about it like the two ways we're reaching people in the age of COVID is Google SEO and social. Like there's no impersonal yeah. events. Those that's, that's it. And the hard part is like trying to prove that like having a strong social presence is helping the company they're working for. Um, that's been a struggle I've had. I've had a lot of conversations at my company about like, hey, you're growing. We're not seeing growth here like that. But like, it's also weird because it's my own personal accounts. I don't know. It's been a lot of hard discussions, honestly, about my social. I don't get a lot of. I have to do it all on my own outside of hours um, to kind of do mm-hmm. it. And I kind of have to put a lot of disclaimers about it. I try to like promote stuff if it comes up, but like if you're promoting your company nonstop, it's like you might as well just follow the company's Twitter handle. Like they're coming to us for something different. Um, I don't know. I've been having a hard time proving the value of it, but I do feel like, I feel like there's a thing there. And you know,
0: yeah, I do actually I do run like the Netlify TikTok account. And then my team does a rotation on running the Netlify Twitter account and stuff. And so we we get to inject some of our personalities that way. But one thing that my manager says that has been really helpful is like someday when you leave the company, your Twitter account will still be yours. Mm-hmm. And so we don't expect you to constantly post stuff about work. But you know, it'd be nice if you did. But we don't, we don't <laughs> expect it. We don't we don't expect it. And so in In terms of that, like pretty much everybody on my team does have kind of some social media presence, and uh, whether it's live streaming or tweeting or or whatever. Um, but we kind of just make sure that we're meeting our goals while also being silly on the internet.
4: <laughs> I, I want to second that. That's totally it. Like you have to like it's long you gotta like do your core job, and I feel like we do that. Usually, you're probably pretty fine.
0: <laughs> get the yeah. job done
4: first, and then make goofy videos on the internet. Exactly. <laughs> Don't get that mixed up. Um, it can be tricky to like get confused about what your real job is, but make sure you're doing that consistently.
3: Right, and that that it, it's it's interesting you bring that up because I remember <clears throat> kind of at the advent of professional Twitter, circa 2013 2014, when people started adding the phrase, "These are my views, not the views of my employer." which is, of course, in many states not in any way legally binding and doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, it was kind of expected, especially for people in DevRel, that kind of that was tied to who you were, like this, you know, your outward personality. Mm. Um, I think that's changed over the few the past few years. But at the same time, you're still hearing a lot about metrics kind of circling around um, – what you're doing in DevRelic. like, oh, oh you, even in job interviews, how many followers do you have? Mm-hmm. How many, you know, what are your social accounts? Share them with us so that we can kind of grade your personality. Which, you know, no. Um, mm-hmm. But like, so when it when it comes to that, like, how do you how do you figure out you're being successful? Like, how do you measure that? Is it like, you know, oh, you know, I did this one particular video, like Cassie mentioned her 10x Developers video. Mm. How do I measure the success of that? Because like a bazillion people retweeted it. Um, or I got 85 million likes or watches on TikTok. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to have a TikTok. My kids banned me. Um, <laughs> it's a whole. It's a whole thing. It's there's bitterness in the house. BG, I want to see you dance. Just, <laughs> no, no, you don't. Um, I learned okay. to play as instruments just so I'd never have to. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, but like, how do you how do you figure out like what's successful, what's working? How do you? Is it instinctual? Because you kind of started at zero. And then you, you both did something right. And I don't know if it was the same thing or a different thing, but suddenly you were like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. Mm-hmm. Like what clicked in your, what What made you, what was the trigger to kind of say, "Hey, you know what? I, I can say that this right here, this measurement says I'm successful at at using different kind of uh, content to get my point across.
0: Yeah, and so first of all, I very actively fight against the fact that you need to be popular on social media to be a good devrel
3: person. I, I, I thank I, you I, for
0: that it's 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 annoying when people talk about that. and And I've been actually talking to founders, talking to tech people because some of the best Devrel people I've seen don't even like Twitter or don't even yeah. you know, post anything on their personal things because they don't want to personally, but they're happy to professionally. They're happy to make this good content and stuff. And so you don't need to be internet famous to be good at Devrel. And I just want to emphasize that first. But in terms of how success success metrics works, we kind of just look at, um, like for for myself, for example, I'm focusing on React and Next.js. We do a lot of like SEO. We do like where's our search ranking on certain things. We we look at how many views did certain things get, and just usage in general of these frameworks, and uh, and and uh, just kind of tracking where we can. Where it it's as long as the top of funnel is looking good, and we got the monthly active users looking good. It, it's we're generally trusted on that, but it is really hard to measure. It's, it's hard to point out here. And they're just like, Oh yes, this is the type of content we need to emphasize. Um, we kind of just have a lot of, I I feel very lucky to be on a team where there's a lot of trust on our team, where they just say, do what you think is best. We're going to just look at our numbers. And as long as the numbers are looking good, we assume you're doing the right thing.
3: Mm-hmm. So, so in some ways you kind of just gave the, the ultimate devil answer of, <laughs> It depends. We don't yeah. know. It's hard yeah. to
0: measure. Yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Classic.
0: That's that is the answer. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we have a strong hunch it's, it's gonna work, but we can't prove it. <laughs> um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I want to say too. It depends on the the channel you're like you're posting on. It also depends on like who it's for, like the metrics I'm tracking for content I'm creating for work, like a YouTube video or TikTok videos for work is going to be different than my, than my personal. Like for me, I just like want to help people and like make engaging content that's like fun, maybe get some comments or whatever, um, like retweet. I don't know, it's, but as long as like I'm having fun with it and like it's not causing a negative impact to the community, like I'm trying to, like someone's got getting some positive value out of it. That's like a win for me. Yeah. But I think my company expects, like a, businesses expect a little bit more than just people feeling good about it.
3: Right, right. So It depends. Yeah, so, yeah, so it depends. Yes. Um, so yeah, we actually, so it looks like we had a comment come in from the YouTube video. If the content you create for the company you work for, like let's say a YouTube video like this, um, do you suspect your employer would give you time for that? Like, it, like you know, saying specifically you're building, say, a, you're doing a Twitch stream, is going to eventually become a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Cass, you said your employer gives you time for that, but, do, you know, does do you, do you think that should be an expected thing? Do you think that should be something that should be like a standard now?
0: if I feel like if my com- if I'm making content that will benefit the company, then you should give me time to do it because right. i I don't want to just constantly be making content that will benefit the company outside of work because that just leads to burnout because I'm constantly working.
4: Mm-hmm. yeah, have that boundary. Yeah, I want to add, like, it depends on the channel. Like, if I'm making YouTube videos for my own personal account, I don't really expect them to give me the time to do that. But if I'm making YouTube videos for work, 100%. Like, it depends who's getting value out of it. And, like, I think if they get to keep it after I leave, they get the views and the ad money or whatever. Like, they get that. They And it's, it, they're kind of dictating what that content looks like. So, yeah, if it's, like, for them, I would definitely expect time to do that. Mm-hmm.
1: One thing I'll add there, too, uh, just for... Dev advocates or other DevRel professionals who are listening, like something that I see as a manager of developer relations team is that there are some people on my team who are really enjoying video content and other people who Mm. couldn't want to run further away from it. (laughs) And that's fine, right? Like as a manager, I'm not expecting everyone on my team to do video content. I'm not expecting everyone on my team to write blog posts. I'm not expecting everyone on my team to speak at conferences. And people have different strengths. And so I tend to say, you know, if if you like doing video content and there's something that you can do that's a live stream or live coding or fun videos or video interviews or things like that, great. Let's build that into some of your, um, you know, goals for the quarter and things like that. But otherwise, let's figure out your your other strengths and bend toward those.
0: Yeah. I. I feel the exact same way. And that's, that's how my team is structured too, where no, nobody's required to write blog posts, do podcasts, do live coding, do speaking at events, making videos and stuff, focus on your strengths. And it's the first time I've been on a team that does that where on previous teams, it's been like, okay, make sure you write your four blog posts a month and make sure you meet your quota of this many events per quarter and that kind of stuff. And it's, it's very robotic that way, but by focusing yes. on people's strengths and where people can just say, okay, I'm gonna make content that I'm comfortable making, that I'm good at making and and lean into that. I feel like then the content is more successful too.
3: Right, now, I, think, I, I think to, to kind of jump off of that a little bit, I think that it's also important for people who are on single DevRel teams, like they're the only person, the only advocate or evangelist or community manager, or whatever, mm-hmm in in a, in a small company or a small environment or environment that's just starting up, I think it's really important to remember that you don't have to do all of these things. Yes. No one can really do all of these things. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I think it's important to set expectations, like maybe in the interview level when they're like, Hey, we're expecting you to come on and do all the tutorials and do videos for them and write the documentation and There's write all the community. blog posts. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's great. I would, and I would love to be able to do that. I would love to be able to do that for everybody, yeah. but I literally have a limited time in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, oh, we have another, awesome, we have another YouTube question from Arlen. Do your companies have official policies written anywhere about social media usage? Um, I can answer that some of the companies that uh, have reached out to DevRelate in the past um, have definitely said that they have policies about social media usage. At which point in time, we do not sign a contract with them hmm. because my my Twitter is my Twitter. Yeah. I'm, I'm mouthy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I like I think the pulse like we have a policy for like our official accounts and it kind of bleeds over. I will say I think most accounts are like most of the social media policies I've seen are pretty vague they don't like there's not a lot of clarity about it, which is like fine it's mm-hmm. hard to like you can't write about this and this and that you can't that's hard to I don't know it's um yeah it's I know ours needs to be updated it has doesn't really t- take into account people posting personal opinions on their social media accounts. Um, I feel like that's got to change. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people who are writing these policies probably aren't super active on social or like they yeah. struggle. Right. They may not fully understand mm-hmm. how that really works. Um, that separation I think makes writing a policy tricky.
0: Yeah. I, on our team, we we have a policy, but it's pretty much just like don't insult the company and yeah. preferably don't insult our customers That'd be great. Uh, but like that, that's that's the kind of the extent of the policy. But for the actual like Netlify Twitter account for for our company Twitter accounts, we kind of it's not as much a policy as it is like guidelines saying try to be lighthearted. Don't mm-hmm. d- d- try to kind of add some brevity to these kinds of things. Emphasize these kinds of things. It, it's that kind of stuff. But nothing really. Just like do not post this
3: mm-hmm. as much. So so f- what you're saying is for the company. Social media, you can insult customers and you can insult the company, but yeah. not personally. Yeah. Cool. I love that. I love it's a the loophole. loophole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, mostly like if you see, if you ever see Netlify tweeting at like midnight and it's a bad pun, chances are it's me saying, like, you know, I have a password and this is a great joke. I'm just going to do it. And yeah, that, that is where their jokes come from.
2: <laughs> and- There is a lot of levity in a lot of the content that you both create, but there's also a little bit of seriousness. Uh, You you both use your platforms to inform and advocate for quality in the tech space. Um, Does it become easier to advocate for that once you have a bigger audience, you feel like you're more uh, solid foot into doing that? Or is that something that you always intended to do when you presented content? Uh, Let's start with you, Joe.
4: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, uh, I don't know. I like. I feel like it's super important. I feel like using an audience, having an audience, it's like a requirement. Especially as like a cis white man, like I, it'd be. I don't know. There's so many cis white dudes out there who aren't using their platform, I, and it feels. I don't know. That feels wrong not to do. Um, I think I have a lot of privilege, and if I should be flexing that privilege to help make other people's lives easier in tech, and I want to do that. I don't think I'm perfect at it, and I think I'm trying my best at it. I do think though, like, and I think every time you do it, you're gonna slough off followers or make people pissed. Um, and you kind of have to be ready for that every time, uh, especially if you're hitting a new thing. I've got my audience pretty trained. <laughs> I think about the type of content <laughs> I, I produce, so, um, which is great. But uh, every, I mean, every, every once in a while, you still get a...
3: That, could be, that, a, that could be a whole other episode. How to train your audience. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, it could be like machine learning. No, it's humans. Um, yeah, it doesn't get easier for someone like me surprise, I'm a lady on the internet. And and from the very beginning, it's been kind of rough. And, and like, the reason why I got my Twitter verification long, long ago was because people were impersonating me on the internet because I was standing up for equality and stuff. And there, there's, there's lots and lots of unfortunately negative things that have happened. And as the audience has grown, There's a lot more positive things. I've trained the audience, as Joe said, where I've I've been able to get mostly people who are on the same page. But unfortunately, with a large audience comes a lot of also angry people who lurk until they're ready to speak up and stuff. And and it's something that's important. I'm not going to stop. It's it's something important to advocate for, push for, whether it's in public or in private. Um, and, And one of my priorities that I've had since the beginning but it is not an easy thing to do,
1: unfortunately. I think that's a a good place to wrap this episode. Um, Before we finish up, we have our checkouts, which is the part of the show where we mention things that we've seen or heard about or things that are engaging us, whether in or outside of tech. Uh, PJ, I'm gonna let you start us off with checkouts this week, if you wouldn't mind.
3: Cool. Yeah, no problem. Uh, So one of the checkouts I had, oddly enough, on our podcast, I'm going to talk about another podcast. I've done this like five times. But uh, (laughs) this was kind of a big thing. I've always been a big music fan. Everybody knows that. And growing up, I was a huge fan of Bruce Springsteen. Um, As I got older and started voting for things, I became a huge fan of Barack Obama. So they actually got together because like they're friends, which is totally crazy. And absolutely awesome. And they got together and they made a podcast about called renegades. And it's about the American experience and the issues of race and equity and equality and the things that they've experienced both together and separately and how two guys, one who grew up in Honolulu, Hawaii and another who grew up in Freehold, New Jersey with two totally different backgrounds can actually find a lot of commonality in the world. Maybe listening to it, you'll get a little bit inspired. Maybe you'll see that, you know, you have taken other perspectives and, um if that's not enough to get you going barack obama does sing Ooh. so uh, renegades it's on spotify it's very cool check it out i'm not going to lie i listened to it while i was taking a walk and people walking past me wondering why i was crying um, <laughs> it's, it's that level of good because we all know i don't have emotions wow. Duly noted. Duly you noted. Just,
0: you've sold me so much on this podcast in every aspect i'm very excited um so I have I have two. The first one it's a K drama on Netflix called Itaewon Class. It is amazing. If you've watched K dramas, you you might know of it. It's it's a fairly popular one. But what I like about it is it has the most diverse cast I've seen in a K drama yet. And and there there's a lot of growth to be had on the diversity front in, in K dramas, and and that's fine. But uh, it touches on a lot of really great issues while also being a really good story about just like perseverance and revenge, and it's a really, really good story. Um, And then on the completely different end of the spectrum, I uh, started using Obsidian. uh, Their website is obsidian.md for for notes, and it's really, really good because it does a local store of, of your markdown notes. It's kind of similar to Rome Research, if people know that one, but it's local first. And uh, you can sync it across your different computers. They have it on Windows, Mac, and Linux. And they are slowly coming out with mobile apps and stuff, too. And I've, I've really been going all in on it over the past week. And I'm very obsessed with it. That, that sounds amazing.
2: awesome. Um, my checkout is um, this current week, it, I'm, I've been attending virtual South by Southwest. Uh, I go every year. Uh, this one is intentionally made to be virtual and there's a lot of programming. And a session I went to today was called Beyond the Gender Binary. And it was Demi Lovato uh, doing the interviewing and the person of interest was Valid Menon. I might be saying that wrong, but uh, the link is going to be in the show notes. And it's really Interesting, it's talking about the the boundaries and the the the, the binaries of just having uh, women and men and female, and male, and the, the the lock or jail that's put us in. And so, I, I think it's really interesting. I know a lot of people won't be able to to see it because it is behind the paywall because it is part of South by. But I think there's going to be some reporting and talking about this because of the people involved. And I would. Uh, urge you to seek that out and hear some summary of that discussion.
1: That sounds great. Joe, what's your checkout for us today?
2: I've
4: been listening to this amazing podcast. It's called Community Pulse. Have you guys ever heard of it before?
0: Thanks for the plug. It's
4: incredible. I recommend to everybody. Um, no, um, Community Pulse, also great, but I've been working through the best picture or the best picture astronoms. Um, I'm just gonna put out some predictions here. Early, this is film pre Oscars, but Minari and Judas and the Black Messiah are like my faves. I don't think they're going to win though, but No Man Win, No Man Land, I think is going to take home the thing. So, anyway, if you haven't seen those, those are really great, um, fun movies.
1: Sounds good. And now have a movie to check out this weekend.
3: No, this weekend, everyone has to watch Coming to America and Zack Snyder's Cut of Justice League. Come on. <laughs> it,
1: All right. I have only three take movies you to
3: watch six, this weekend. It'll only <laughs> take you six or seven hours.
4: Oh, I'm so mad. I'm going to watch this weekend. I don't even want to. Yeah, I'm, I'm going like, to hate watching. Yeah. I'm, hate watching. <laughs> I'm so mad at myself.
3: <laughs>
1: awesome. Uh, well, I'll close this out for checkouts. Um, I finished a book recently, which didn't used to be a weird thing, but for whatever reason, I've had a hard time focusing on actually finding books that are interesting to me and finishing them out recently. Um, but I picked up this one on the recommendation of a friend, I think I'm now trying to think of who told me about it. Um, but it's called, maybe you should talk to someone and it's nonfiction, which doesn't normally tend to be my jam, but it's written very much in a fictional storytelling style. Um, and it's just a fantastic book about therapy and getting therapy. And it's told by a therapist Um, the author is Lori Gottlieb as a therapist. And so she writes about things that she's struggled with. She's written about her experience in therapy herself. She's also written about some of her clients that she's seen with their permission, of course. Um, but it's just, it's one of those books that you can get really invested in and really interested in. And then out of the blue, there's this like gem of incitement and you kind of go, oh, wait, oh, that applies to me. Oh, I need to think about that for a few minutes and what that's doing in my brain right now. Um, So I highly recommend it. Maybe you should talk to someone. Uh, Great, great book for a weekend. Great book for vacation, even though it wouldn't normally seem like it. So PJ, you want to close us out for the episode?
3: Yes. First, I'd like to say thank you, Joe. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you for being with us. It's always great to have guests like you who are so vivacious and willing to talk about your experiences and what you're doing. So hopefully at some point in time, we can get you back. Um, do, a, do a little repeat episode or maybe some new, we'll talk about some of the newer platforms like Clubhouse whole episode maybe, we'll talk about that later um, but thank you for being here thank you for everybody who's listening, thank you to everybody who's watching on this first like attempted new live stream thing that we were trying out, I think it's really cool, um, as always listen to the end bumper, it'll tell you how you can get a hold of us give us suggestions on new um, content, new guests, new ideas. You're part of our community. We're the community pulse, and we're always happy to have you. Thank you to Wesley and and Mary for being here. Jason, who's kind of been sitting in the back doing logistics, it's been awesome. Uh, Thanks as usual, I, I like to oh my god, Jason said something. Um, as always, I like to close out with a rap quote that I think kind of fits what's going on. And we kind of talked about stretching boundaries and doing things in a different way. So I'd like to quote the illustrious Jay-Z who once said, a poet's mission is to make words do more than they normally do, to make them work on more than one level. And I think that really fits, and that's how we'll end the Community Pulse this week. Thanks, everybody, and stay safe.
1: This has been Community Pulse. Learn more at communitypulse.io and on Twitter at community underscore pulse. Your hosts are Mary Thingball, Mary underscore Grace on Twitter, Jason Hand, Jason Hand on Twitter, PJ Haggerty, Asplenic on Twitter, SJ Morris, Sarah Jane Morris on Twitter, and Wesley Faulkner, Wesley83 on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.